Watch, you are building Missouri. You are basically indexing all the ETH addresses and all their verified credentials, all their POAPs to help companies land exactly the talent that they need. Companies to find people and people to also build a profile on top of it. So very interesting. But let's go way back to your story, your origin story, when you were a broke college dropout in Poland. What was <laughs> happening over there? What, what, did, what did you think you would be doing after college? Um, yeah, so first and foremost, like you pitch Missouri better than I do. Um, and yeah, hello, everybody. Hello, all the listeners. My name is Wojtek. Um, and yeah, uh, my story of how I got into tech started definitely, um, after finishing high school or like, you know, it started, you know, in middle school or like when I was like 14, when I started first playing with computers. And since then I really wanted to be like Mark, Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, to have the impact on the world via computers, etc. Um, but yeah, if you go to the college story, uh, I am a college dropout. I've spent roughly half of the year in college. Um, and um, um, and yeah, I, did, I knew, so I was studying computer science. Uh, and by that time, I knew I want to go into inter- entrepreneurship and uh, entrepreneurship and build my own businesses on startups, introduce my own ideas to the world. And uh, I was studying computer science at the University of Warsaw, which is a really good university, kind of like Waterloo, of course, not less like, you know, close to, to the international scene like Waterloo, but also really good, like uh, tech-wise, um, really high in competitive programming. And, you know, I was just around this community, which is like, which are lovely people. And I, I, I loved it, but uh, I just really wanted to, to pursue something, you know, on my own and dropped out, started, you know, coding as a freelancer, started working as, as working as a software developer for uh, various startups or various companies. And then over time, you know, I first, I built um, a software development agency with a friend of mine um, around COVID times and uh, in summer 21, uh, like I, I started playing with crypto also, you know, around COVID 2020 times, uh, but in summer 21, I, I went full in and I started started playing with uh, founding my own company, uh, raised, um, raised pre-seed from Fabric Ventures. Uh, and since then we're playing with Missouri. We are building a decentralized professional identity. We're indexing web three credentials. Um, and yeah, that was my path to tech, I guess. Very interesting. Let's go back to summer. I believe you are talking about the DeFi summer. Is that right? Like when you first got introduced to crypto? I, I got introduced to crypto right after DeFi summer. Like okay. my my first Uniswap trade was like too <laughs> too late to get the airdrop, which right. I'm very salty about. Um, so so I guess like DeFi summer uh, influenced you know some some of my interest in crypto. Uh, but I first like started playing with this maybe you know December twenty twenty and you know okay. in summer twenty one. What were you doing in December 2020 and up until when you thought that I need to build my company? Like, what were you thinking about crypto? What were you thinking about this new tech that's popping up? Um, so I was still building my own software development agency for a friend of mine, Jacob, if he's listening to that. Um, hi, Jacob. I love you. Um, but... Um, but while while we were doing this, you know, it was just like standard products, standard like you know React, Django apps, and uh, um, the most mo- most of the challenge was in sales and in, uh, in marketing of our services and like hiring people to make to sell more pro- uh, more projects, which didn't seem that interesting to me as a as a you know tech ish change the world ish type of a person um and yeah that was the time when when crypto hype started getting real and people started getting excited uh for all kinds of decentralized applications for all, all kinds of like you know self-custody finance applications um and with the hype honestly my interest grew over time um to the point where like you know as many people in summer 21 i was like hey i, I need to do it full time like we we need to go i don't know when you joined xmtp but probably it was similar timelines um 
and yeah, since then, uh, as hype slowed down, my hype still is growing. So I'm still, you know, all in on decentralized infra, on sovereign applications in the internet, sovereign identity. Uh, you know, how can we how can we put private keys everywhere and like make internet um, empowered for individuals? And yeah, um, that's what I like about crypto the most. Like how much an individual can do um, without any need for like licenses or permissions or big servers. Everything is just one step away. Right. I want to know more about the time, the transition time when you were like, okay, let's, let's shut down this agency and let's jump into crypto. Let's build something in crypto. The agency didn't actually shut down. So okay. that was the, the, the so Jacob is still running it. Yeah. 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 Jacob is still let's running go. it with a new <laughs> co-founder, I guess he, he, he got the title co-founder as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the transition period was uh, was definitely challenging from like an, an entrepreneur perspective because it challenged also the friendship that we had. Um, and uh, you know, I definitely promised him to to be on this journey for for next year uh, for for years to come. I wasn't. I resigned. So um, it was a period where um, I still had my responsibilities and I was still working. But at the same time, we were like looking for a person to uh, to do it um, on my place with Jacob. Um, my ex co-founder. Uh, so yeah, it was fun because uh, at one point, you know, I, I, it wasn't fun. It was hard. I want to say it was it was very hard and very challenging to like both work on this company and at the same time, you know, being totally um, totally heads down into playing in playing with uh, with the new tech. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy that I took this transition period seriously because um, because of that, um, my relationship with my ex co-founder is still great. Uh, for most of the people, I guess this is not the case. A lot of like co-founders this end up with a drama and like people argue about finances and about you know time lost and unfulfilled prom uh, promises and I'm, I'm really proud of like how how that ended for us um so then yeah i could start my own company uh very on a very clean sheet in summer oh definitely and what was the what was the initial idea around missouri like did you have this idea that i want to build something around the professional space in web3 or were yeah. you like let's build something it was a crossover of two main ideas. One idea being not crypto at all. And like, Missouri is like totally different product now. But um, the, it first started with me trying to solve the reputation for freelancers on the internet. Mm -hmm. So as a software developer, you know, somebody um, who, I, I, as a freelancer software developer without any formal background or like prestigious past employment. Um, I was often struggling to like get to the right clients to like show off my reputation, uh, even though I knew that I am, you know, really, a really strong technical um, candidate or like you no know, person that can join, uh, can join the team. And I was really frustrated with like, you know, I don't have a Waterloo, you know, st stamp. So like, how can I represent myself? How can I show off, you know, uh, the projects? Also, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I haven't graduated. Yeah. Um, so, so I was, you know, figuring out how can I show off, you know, uh, my referrals in a way that um, first don't um, don't go against like, against any like NDA laws or like you know platform rules that I was working on. For example, you know, when, when you work on TopDown, it's uh, it's one of like you know freelancer mm -hmm. marketplaces. Like you, you basically can't really say anything about the projects be, uh, without like a written approval from your client. Um, so then, like you know, you can't really flex it that well when you go when you go forward. So that was really frustrating to me. Just like the whole experience of like building a reputation as a freelancer was uh, was to me uh, very broken. And I always wanted it to be more like a game where you can like you know complete some some projects and get like this rewards, this like you know achievements. And uh, when I finish a course, I get like a stamp 
and say, okay, now you know I, I know some basic React uh, React structures or whatever. And you can see where it's going. It's like you know I want all of these things to be represented by NFTs, like you know this digitally digitally native objects that can be like easily sent and used over the internet. Um, I didn't know about that time that I want to use NFTs for it, but I, I knew that I want to have this like achievements over my careers, um, over my career that um, uh, that can be used for for next projects. So that was one one side of um, of why I wanted to do this. And the second side was also, you know, I, I started seeing um, crypto and people, you know, connecting their wallets to different websites, using their identities across different websites. Um, and I immediately found the match of like, you know, how can we build this, these referrals and how can we build, uh, how can we connect this to decentralized identity? So Mazure, when we launched uh, at the end of 21 in December, was one of the first apps that like, you know, actually allowed you to create um, a profile. We displayed your pops. We allowed you to like write something nice about your friends or a colleague. So we had these, these referrals. Um, and it was like really nice proof of concept. Uh, this is when I also raised a PC for that. The pitch was still that we will build like this um, referral network on, um, on Ethereum or like on any scaling solutions. And it's going to be the future of the identity. Like the future of the identity would be the social graph created by the referrals. Um, since then, we pivoted slightly. Um, we discovered um, that actually building social networks is hard. And especially with crypto UX, it's even harder because, um, you know, wallet signings and um, and confirmations and private keys are not the best UX, as, as you know, uh, <laughs> definitely as a growth person at XMTP. Um, so we yeah, faced some challenges, but we then, then summer 22, we landed on the on the pitch that we currently have. We aggregate all the Web3 credentials on the internet. Um, we allow companies and recruiters to, to search for the best talent um, in our search engine that is based on Web3 credentials. Um, and based on this, you know, you can discover really like one crypto native talent, but also talent that is like tested, um, that can be trusted, that they don't lie on their, you know, um, profiles because everything is uh, uh, is in some form on a blockchain. Um, and now we are introducing very soon next product, which is more closely to like a job board or like actual talent marketplace where people can post jobs, can they can apply to jobs uh, with the Web3 credentials. And, if, and essentially, you know, we are getting much, um, much more closely to like a standard product enhanced by web credentials right now, then, you know, it's like crazy crypto thing that, you know, can be like social graph on the blockchain. Um, but yeah, it's a fun journey. And this is why I'm, this, you know, this, that's the journey. And I also mentioned why I decided to build it. Mm, okay. What do you say today that Missouri is web three LinkedIn? Uh, it's a funny comparison that people make, and it also makes for a very easy pitch. However, mm. it's a very lazy pitch just because like there's so much stuff that's in, that you can do on LinkedIn. Uh, you can post, you can add your friends, um, you can you can learn on LinkedIn. So they have the full professional stack. And if you asked me, what's the vision for Mazure for like next five, seven years? Yeah, like part of the roadmap is to enable the same product suite, just like enhanced by Web3 credentials and like new new uh, new identity stack. Uh, but right now, you know, we are trying to like figure out our own small products that will work for our users, that users will be happy to pay for, and uh, that's that's very far away from like actual LinkedIn. And right. like also, you know, the most important part, I guess, of LinkedIn is the social graph. They build one of the, the strongest social graphs on the internet. And this is something that we are not particularly interested in building. I really hope Lens or Farcaster or like any other new Web3 social player will come for this. Maybe even XMTP will have their, you know, your, your own way of like following people. Maybe this will also make for a very interesting social graph. But this is something that we only want to like consume and like, you know, enhance for our users rather than build it ourselves.
right? So you have sort of realized or pivoted from building a social graph to now just a talent marketplace. Where yeah, you post a job. That's, you can say so. Got it. Got it. And I also believe that, like, you know, when we say Web3 LinkedIn, Web3 Telegram, it just really helps easily communicate with people because people already understand LinkedIn and people already understand Web3. So it's very easy, even within the Web3 community, because I believe that whenever we are talking about a lot of things with a lot of people, just using these complex words uh, or composite words like LinkedIn and Web3 together, it gives a really good picture because they understand that Web3 is all about ownership. LinkedIn is, or they already know how the user interface works. And it's just like, okay, it makes sense what you guys are, what's your vision is at least. Do you think everybody knows what is Web3? So interesting question. I believe <laughs> that own definition. It's like a yeah. yeah. I, I would love to know. I would love to know how you think whenever someone says you Web three. But but this is how I think that whenever someone says Web three, just think about the ownership co- concept over there. Either it's identity or it's something else. Number one, it starts with identity because the only way you sign in into that app is with your identity, and that will be let's say signing with Ethereum. So you're signing with a wallet that is ideally self-custodial and that's where the Web3 component starts with. And then it's all about that. Okay, what all things can you own other than just the identity? So for Lens, it's then the social graph, the social graph and the content. For XMTP, it's the messages for, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a good example. I can get behind this definition. Uh, it's good. I think a lot of people... A lot of people come or like, you know, treat Web3, the word. Um, with like too much attention on the ownership concept and everything like this goes to like having a token and um, trading the token and like, you know, just, you know, it's also also like a lot mixed with just like um, self-custody and finance world, which is like extremely exciting as well. Um, uh, it's, it's extremely exciting, uh, but, you know, Web3 is for me is also much more about owning an identity, using the same app across the, uh, using the same identity across the uh, different parts of the internet uh, and having ownership of this, right now by owning a private key but also you know in the in the future with like different ways of represent, representing an account or like abstracting the account um you know this this may change the private key may not be the most important but yeah i think i i like your definition i like your definition something that i'm thinking a lot about recently is just the fact that how we really needed web2 for web3 to happen we really needed Web2 for Web3 to happen. And I believe that totally makes sense. This is why it's called Web3 because it's the next evolution of Web2 on top of it. And I feel that sometimes when people bash on Web2 companies, I feel like there has to be a lot of empathy around it that, hey, without login with Facebook working on every app, you wouldn't have realized that this is this is this could be done in a self-custodial manner or this is the vision that we need to be having. Uh, so I think I find that really interesting. I would love to know, like, what do you think as a Web3 founder who's spending so much time in Web3 and you might get a lot of hate around what is this Web3, but also you might get a lot of, uh, let's say, just people saying that, oh, you are a visionary for thinking so uh, deep, so in, into the future. So just curious, like, how do you handle this arguments or how do you how, how do you in general think about it? Yeah, it definitely feels like living in different worlds at once. And like, you know, from conversation to conversation, uh, the context changes a lot. And right now we can have this like abstract conversations about like Web3 and ownership, etc. But, you know, an hour later I'll have like a call with somebody from, you know, either like normal tech environment or just like with my mom. And it's like everything has to be like distilled to like normal terms, like normal, normal arguments. And then it makes like the thesis behind Web3 much harder because this world like is not really existing <laughs> uh, right. yet. Um, so yeah, the question was about uh, how do you, how, how do I find myself as a founder in this situation? Yes. Yeah, it's challenging. It's challenging because there's like this mismatch of like incentives of like my, mm-hmm. you know, probably like 
the the main incentive for me personally, obviously, is to create an incredibly valuable startup that will be not only valuable for for myself, and like you know, will bring uh, will bring sufficient financial incentive, but also will uh, improve uh, lives of like my customers and uh, the employees of the company, and like the whole you know every every stakeholder of the company. So that's one incentive. And honestly, in my like honestly, right now, you know, going with the Web three stack, it's not the easiest way of achieving this. Um, I believe the vision that we're building is incredibly valuable and you know can make a lot of good. But definitely, there is like um, uh, there is just like you know much easier tools that you can use to bring a lot of value to the world. Um, and you know, after most of the people uh, lost the hype of like twenty one, and everybody got much more sober, it's also much harder to explain the value proposition of like what why are we building it this way? Why do we require so many clicks to you know download a, a wallet and like use the wallet and um, claim some pop-ups to this wallet from different websites and come to our website? You know, this this just like sim seems very counterintuitive from like a traditional as easy as possible internet workflow. Um, so yeah, but um, I think the journey is is worth it. I think. All the good technology has seen its dark ages when people, you know, gave up on, you know, making it, um, you know, useful and making it easy to use, um, or maybe, you know, in, they gave up on, on, on the survival at all of this concept. Um, so yeah, like going going through through these times where everybody is, is doubting that we can make um, self custody and and will it work? Uh, I think if we survive through it, we can we will have like you know great opportunities to uh, to use the knowledge from this time to use the learnings from this time to build actually excellent products that will uh, that that people that people will love and that's that that's what matters the most. Yeah, uh, very interesting answer. Uh, the reason why this question also popped in my mind is uh, because today I saw a tweet from Nader who leads developer relations at Lens, yes. and he basically said the exact same yes. thing. He was like. I love the excitement, but sometimes there's too much hate. There are scams. There are phishing happening over here. We definitely hate it, but that's a reality right now. And we'll still keep pushing uh, for a better future. So it's really yeah. interesting, like how a Web3, a person who is leading a Web3 organization, what they have to go through. Yeah. And definitely not not even like from the outside, the perception is really bad. And like I, I've also read somewhere on Twitter, some, somebody mentioned something like that. Actually, a typical, you know, 80% of experiences of people with crypto is actually just like losing money on something, right? Which is like terrible experience and doesn't bring you anything valuable to the life. And these are like real problems that can, you know, kill this idea of using using wallets for identification over the internet. Uh, but we will see. I hope I hope we can make it work. Definitely, I enjoy as a technologist or somebody that's uh, that's a professional computers. I'm stoked every time I can log into an application with the wallet and I know that I control this this private key. I know that you know it's safe. I know how to store it. Um, and whenever it works. Or like whatever, for example, I send a message over XMTP, I am like blown away and I'm super happy that it actually works. Uh, but you know, my mom, my, my mom, who I also love and she, she will probably watch this, you know, doesn't really appreciate it, doesn't know what's going on. She just wants to send me a message. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be fun. I, wh what do you think in two years? You said that you're releasing some some app that will have like Web2 like UX. Uh, how, how will we interact with uh, Web3 apps two years from now? This is so interesting to watch, right? Because I was just watching some content around, I'm, I'm really trying to learn about ZK stuff right now. Yeah. And I was watching a podcast from six months ago from the ZK sync team. And something that they said was that it took us eight years. Now, again, don't quote me on this, but they said that it took us eight years to go from proof of work to proof of stake. Yeah. And then it, they said that it's going to take us 10 more years or at least five more years to go from uh, that point 
to a ZK Sync or ZK EVM kind of position. But they did that in just two years or less than one year, something like that. And yeah, now, like, ZK Sync era just went live, so it's less than a year from the merge. Exactly, less than a year. And now, look at all the developments that are happening in AI. And look at the excitement around Web3 and the there's so many factors coming into place together. Number one is the progress in AI, which means you and I can code right now. Like I never coded, but last week and I made a Chrome extension in like five minutes, less than five minutes. I was like blown away. Like I would have never been able to do that without this open AI chat GPT thing. Then you see that how the remote culture is growing, that it's the opportunities are not just con- concentrated in US, but opportunities are being like openly uh, available for anybody. Like I'm seeing kids right now in India, uh, thanks to Replit. Again, Replit is a big one. Replit is providing people with this environment to teenagers to keep building, keep iterating, and they are building really fast. So you see so many things are coming together. And if we bring a small set of people even to focus on this Web3 space, I believe that they can make a huge progress. Like I definitely see that the next two years, there's going to be a lot of experimentation and a lot of things that we thought would take 10 years, they might be done in a couple of years. Nice. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to this. It's very interesting because uh, the, the biggest thing is that there we might see a bunch of things that we might not even have thought about. That would be the craziest part. We might accomplish things that we might not even have thought about. So I'm excited. A lot of factors are coming together. Nice. So what do you think will be like the, the breakthrough right now? Why why XMTP is not as prevalent as um, Signal just yet? Or like why why are we not talking over XMTP? We you know use Telegram. What what do we need for for the for the for more adoption of this? I think that makes a lot of sense. I really like your question. So there are two things. Number one is signal parity is on our roadmap, which means we need the same security as signal. Number two is group chats. We need uh, secure group chats. Once yeah. these two things are done, then the next thing will be that what the XMTP actually promises, which is decentralized network. So then the roadmap will be all about that. Okay, how can we decentralize this entire network? How do we make sure that we have benevolent node operators. We have node operators who are working for the ecosystem and contributing to the ecosystem. <clears throat> and yeah, then the tokenomics will come into play. So there are a couple of big things that need to be figured out before we reach that f- uh, final vision. But definitely I can see that uh, with all the developments that I mentioned, we might be able to get there soon, not late. Nice. Awesome. But let's get back to Missouri. I am curious, like, uh, what is Missouri Talent? I saw this was a very interesting new uh, thing that you guys are working on. If you if you want to talk more about Missouri Talent, yeah, this was uh, an experiment that we we're doing to build like a community of um, of our users um, that would you know be a talent collective for Missouri. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, we we just like discontinued it um, uh, mostly because mostly because we want to focus on like different products. Uh, but uh, we met like really cool people from the community. We were uh, matching people with jobs. We had some success with that. Um, we learned more about, you know, how people represent themselves on the internet and, you know, why, why pop-ups are not always the best solutions. Um, so yeah, that was like an experiment that we did to, to learn more about our, our uh, user base. But okay. uh, for now, we are stopping this, unfortunately. Okay. I'm curious, what is the ideal user experience you want someone to have on Missouri? Uh, great question. Great question, and something that uh, you know we are we are still far away from. Of like my you know favorite UX, but um, essentially on the talent side, or like you know we have obviously two sides of the marketplace. We have talent and and recruiters, and recruiters can be founders, rec- you know rec- hiring managers, recruiters, anything. 
but we have these two sides. So as a developer, when I come to Mazura, um, the experience that I want people to have is that you can either connect your wallet, connect your existing identity, and you can be rewarded for your achievements as quick as possible. So if you contributed to development or Ethereum clients of some relevant protocols of some, so you did something really cool in the past on the internet, like in Missouri, we should like reward you for that as soon as possible with, you know, either some very unique opportunities, you know, either, you know, apply, either access to some unique jobs or maybe, you know, speaking on podcasts or joining some cool hackathons, cool workshops, like whatever, you know, things that you do in professional life and, you know, whatever things are rewarding for you, uh, Missouri should be just, should be, should open these for you as long as you show the proof that um, you're doing cool stuff. Uh, so that's, you know, one user user branch. The other branch for people who never claimed any web credentials, we want to be the, the place to, to learn about them and to discover to discover web credentials and build your reputation over time. So the user experience on this side is mostly as you have on the, uh, in the video game where you, you know, you go over your, your, your game progression and you get more of like stamps of you unlock more levels, you, you finish levels, you have like, you know, golden medals everywhere. I kind of want you to have going over your career. I kind of want you to get as many of uh, web free credentials or like digital achievements, how, how we may start calling them in the future. Um, you should be like, you know, collecting them and, um, and owning them, you know, as we talked um, previously, you should have the ownership and like, you know, you should be able to take them to different platforms. You should be able to represent yourself with them and once you actually do something cool, you are, you know, on top of the ladder, uh, you should also like, you know, um, unlock cool opportunities and you, you should like send out from the crowd whenever you apply for a cool position. So, so right now, Mazura vision is all about representing yourself and like being like being, you know, spots, uh, spotted out from the crowd where, you know, not only your formal education matters, not only your prestigious past, past employment matters, but you also, you know, the, all the blog posts that you did matter, all the, all the podcast appearances you have also matter and like all the open source projects that you have also matter. And there is some really cool projects that also work on the same mission. Um, you know, people that are building LinkedIn or top tells of the world, but with, you know, this like, um, but with more pressure on, on your achievements outside of work. I think one startup that, that is trying to crack it is Polywork, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. They're doing an excellent job in, in like building this, this vision. However, I think uh, my, my strong opinion on that is uh, is that we need some neutral level of identity for this to actually work with, where we can like actually, um, you know, connect all of these platforms into one place and have it like automatic, you know, zero click experience. Um, because right now, you know, for example, as a Polywork user, I need to um, input all of this information myself. I need to keep my profile updated. People, especially developers, very rarely keep their LinkedIn's updated. And you know, with like each new platform you have, you know, you have to update even more and more profiles, which is just like not something that we do. Um, so yeah, I hope that uh, with this like standard player and like with interoperability of NFTs, we'll be able to like you know build this platform for you like without any setups. You just like connect your your wallet, you connect your identity, and you have access you you have access to the best uh, opportunities and you're spotlighted for who you are. So so yeah, that's the you know most exciting user path on the like that, that's that's my dream user experience for Mazura. Uh, down the road for talent, and I can also talk about you know hiring process and like, how should that work. But I don't know, you know, I don't know if you want to hear about it right now or like later. So. Yeah, I definitely want to know both from both the perspective because you definitely mentioned about their talent perspective. If you want to get a job, what is showing up over there? One question I have before we get into hiring is, let's say 
you have a profile on Missouri and you did a podcast appearance on YouTube over here on this podcast. Yeah. Now, will that be automatically posted over there or will I need the podcaster needs to issue you a po app that, oh, you were a, a guest over here. Thank you. And th that's the only way it's going to be showing on Missouri. Yeah, right now it's only with pops. So yeah, like okay. you, you have to like give me some pop. Uh, in the future, I think this is uh, this the infrastructure for achieving this is actually you know changing on our eyes, and there's like more and more cool stuff being built. For example, you know, do you have a lens profile, right? And yeah. I have a lens profile. If we do this podcast on some you know lens supported mm. platform uh, for podcasts, and you know it's not natively supported that in lens version of YouTube, like there's like you crash out and uh, me me watch that, like you know we're both there together. Then on Mazur it's gonna automatically show up because we can just like get this information from the uh, from the internet and, and display it there. But right now on YouTube, you know it doesn't work this way, and this is why you know if YouTube appearance will not show up on this like web two platforms automatically because it's just like a lot of you know privacy issues and incentives on both sides you know youtube doesn't want to share this data with other platforms um and like none of the platforms actually want to share data with each other um and yeah i i hope that web, web social will change this very interesting hmm. let's get on the hiring side what is the ideal user experience for a company or a recruiter on missouri the ideal user experience is much simple on this side. So okay. have you ever, so have you ever like tried to work with a freelancer or like want to, wanted to hire anybody? Yeah. What did you do right now? Like, you know, in that case, what, what did you try to do? So I went on Fiverr and what I wanted to do was a uh, video editing. Okay. Did you like, were you looking for somebody or yeah. you like posted an opportunity? I was looking for somebody on Fiverr. Okay. Yes. So you, you probably like used, you know, some, some, like, some kind of like a search box and like typed, you mm. know, what, what qualities you want of that, of that person, right? Fiverr allowed me to just pick a category and then I just searched based on price that, okay, who is, who is on the cheap side or on the low <laughs> price side, but also has some really good experiences and good portfolio. Nice, nice, nice. So you, you got the list of candidates after going to Fiverr and like going through, through categories. Um, this, this is how this is part of the experience that we'll have at some point. Um, but um, you, you know, you were siloed to people who are on Fiverr and like who build their reputation on Fiverr and you know uh, dedicated a lot of their life and, uh, and effort into being on Fiverr. So you know, automatically you lost access to people who are great video editors, but uh, they are uh, anywhere else on the internet or they just worked for somebody, but they are not on any platforms, right? Um, so with Mazure, what I'm trying to achieve is something that Google never, I, I guess Google never uh, achieved. So like you just have one search box and you type, you know, give me the best video editor, give me the best front end developer. And automatically you have these re results, you know, from the whole internet, not just from Fiverr, but from the whole internet. And I'm always um, surprised that actually Google never figured it out. I guess it's like, you know, uh, too much of like privacy issues to like index all of the information of people on the internet. And there's like so many things that can, that can go wrong. Uh, but at the same time, this is how I would like to like to work. Like I, I look for a front developer, I get, you know, everybody and um, I can see, you know, who matches who I should work with, um, uh, you know, whatever they, they are on the, independently if they are on the right platform or they live in the, proper country or like they have certain education, um, you know, 
I can just see if we if we vibe and if we will be able to work together if this person person is sufficiently good for the job. So the dream UX that I will have for Mazura is that you go on the platform, you have the search box, and you type front end developer. And our recommendation engine will just like find people across the internet, um, you know, with their pops, with their web three credentials, with their achievements, um, and we will provide you with access to these people. You you know links to to lens, links to forecaster, to any social media, and uh, you know their email addresses so they can text them on XMTP. Um, and you will be able to to just you know send them a message, send 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 them a hi, and say that you're working on such and such a project, and you know maybe this person would like to join. So I want to like enable this like better this better talent discovery for everybody uh, who who is hiring. Um, so that was a lengthy response for the Dream UX, but it's essentially a set of books. That's very interesting because you know what this reminds me. This reminds me of the Instacart plugin, or in general, the ChatGPT plugins that are popping up. So yeah. somebody actually sent this example where they plugged in Instacart, and then they're like, "Okay, make me a recipe for cheesecake." And it actually not only gives you the recipe, but also takes you to Instacart where it already has got all those ingredients in the cart, added in the cart. So all you have to do is just click checkout, and Instacart will start. Yeah. So. What is a similar thing we could do, like a Missouri plugin over there in ChatGPT, and you are like, okay, find me the best video editor, and it automatically takes you directly to the right person. Exactly, exactly. So you can think where if if we have this like you know user experience for ChatGPT, when you just like ask, hey, recommend me some good front-end developer, uh, ChatGPT right now wouldn't really do it because they don't have you know a model for identity. They don't really the Chat ChatGPT can't really you know know up-to-date stuff about people. Um, mm. uh, where Mazuri would fit very well into the system is like, you know, we provide you with a unified model of a, uh, of a professional, uh, of talent that you can hire. Everything is, um, you know, sufficiently private. So, you know, it's only information that, that you provide about yourself on the internet instead of like, you know, we, we link information from different websites about stuff that you can't consume, et cetera, and like we display, uh, no, it's, everything is opt-in and, um, you know, after ChatGPT read this, uh, this identity models from from our uh, from our website, you know, it can also it can recommend you the best people uh, based on on their web credentials. Very interesting. Hmm. I'm curious, like, what was your pitch when you were just about to build Missouri and you raised one million dollars from investors? What was your pitch to them? Uh, that was a much easier time to find <laughs> right now. So the pitch was uh, much, uh, much That's broader. so true. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was mostly, hey guys, I want to solve the, the referrals um, for like addresses. I want to solve reputation, um, professional reputation for um, Ethereum addresses. Um, joined the, the you know, very early stage accelerator uh, from public ventures and first capital. Um, and we went from that. Uh, and like, you know, it was also like staged. So it was first part of the investment was on that pitch. And then the second part of the investment was after I delivered the, the MVP. Um, but yeah, a much easier time for fundraising and for building wild ideas than right now. Definitely, definitely. What do you think? What do you think is the benefit of building in a bear market? Oh, good. Okay, good question. I can tell you about all the downsides of building in the in the bull market. Oh, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's go both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start with the downsides of of the bull market because you know I lived it, and also you know that's that's honestly my first time when I'm building a product that is supposed to you know last years to come and uh, is supposed to um, carry the whole business on on this product. Um, so yeah, building the in the Bull market for somebody as inexperienced as I was at that time, or like as I, I still am, um, 
created a lot of distractions and a lot of anti patterns that you know I uh, I was following of like trying to you know fit into the the trend that you know only lasted two months but like we wanted to fit into a trend we wanted to get um, on this. Um, market maps of investors and like everybody was putting their own market map saying oh these companies are solving decentralized identity or something like this and 90 percent of these companies are like total bullshit they don't work but they are on the market map and they are being talked about on twitter and they haven't launched anything for a year being you know in beta like behind the waitlist but they are praised um by um by twitter influencers so this was particularly terrible time of a bull market for me because I was I was definitely doing a lot of decisions or like I was making a lot of decisions just to fit into current trends and um, I was listening a lot to, to influencers I was um, I was following behind um, and for this bull markets are terrible and uh, you need to be very focused on your mission and you need to be focused on the user experience you need to be focused on your business model or like plans of bringing revenue you know at some point in the future um, and this in bull markets, it doesn't work. You just like need to create as much hype for your next fundraise. You want to create as much hype to, to create a token. And um, you don't think about actual business principles. Um, so I dislike that in the bull market. Uh, and yeah, that was frustrating. Um, and for the best parts of being the, uh, building in the bear market, I think uh, the focus. So, you know, the, the opposite of that uh, is the best. And also quality of connections. Uh, right now is also much higher. So people who uh, great founders and like great developers who would be like totally unachievable for me to talk to, to get guidance from, to um, to, um, to to help me, they would be unachievable in the in the bull markets because there was so much spam, so much going on, and like every everybody you know was overloaded with signal all the time. And right now, as you know, there's much less people in the space, there's much less hype, and it's actually, you know, true believers into the solutions. Everybody's also much more open and much more collaborative than the people at the bull market. And everybody's like also, also thinking on like much longer horizons um, rather than, you know, we need to push for a token within six months. Um, so yeah, the, the focus is much better. Uh, obviously, fundraising op options are much worse. Revenue options are also much harder. And all the bad things coming from bear markets is much more, um, it's still a big pain and also a big risk for the company uh, liveness. But uh, the good part is definitely that the focus that, that it can bring. Definitely, really interesting. I'm curious, because you mentioned about pushing token, when is Missouri token coming out? <laughs> hopefully never, uh, hopefully never. Um, I have, um, so, Maybe at some point, I definitely want to have, I, I, I believe that businesses should be easier to own for people who, um, you know, spend their lives on the business, like, you know, working on these platforms, uh, using the product, etc. So, for example, you know, uh, as somebody who worked many, many hours on TopTal, I don't have any ownership of this company. So I think this is something that could be, you know, made much easier than it is right now um you know with private shares with like stock options with going public very late into into the process this could be improved but um there will not be a Missouri governance token in a way that most of the tokens are are being done right now i can ask you the same about xmtp would you like to have a governance token right now not right now but token is on the roadmap like token is the way to incentivize people right so it's on the roadmap but yep. it is let's say a couple of years out what would you like to achieve with a token like should it be um, reflective of a share in a company or, you know, you know, having just something that people can, can speculate on. What's the goal of our token? 
token, think about Bitcoin miners. It is just going to be a way to incentivize the node operators to keep doing the work of contributing to the ecosystem and storing the messages off chain and yeah, relaying them, surfacing them up whenever user uh, queries for it. So it's basically just going to be a way to node op to incentivize node operators okay. to do this job. Yeah, yeah. So, but in, and that's that's like you know necessary for decentralizing the the, the system um, for XMPP to work properly. So you know you have actually a, a fit for the token. Um, right. The governance token. Governance tokens are for me like the most the, the, the scammiest thing in, in this space. So yeah, for Mazur, we don't have a reason to have a token. Our EFI is very much centralized, and we we just need to index stuff, and we need to. Um, we need to ensure good UX for our users and provide good opportunities, good rewards for the credentials. Um, so yeah, we don't have plans for a token for that. Makes sense. Makes sense. I would love to understand. Like this actually is very interesting because previously we had Brain Trust on the podcast, and Brain Trust is Web3 Fiber, and yeah. they are planning to they are planning they they are basically decentralized. So I would love to know like what was the decision that uh, led you to uh, make a centralized product from an infrastructure perspective. Um. So for me, it's mostly about just creating a good business that has customers that are willing to pay for it and has, you know, user base that all benefits from, from, from a product. And um, for me, tokens are a way of like owning the business um, and, um, you know, properly decentralizing the decision-making is very hard to achieve and maybe is worth at some level, for example, at this point, if Facebook turned into a DAO, that would be a really interesting, you know, thing for even like nation states to contribute uh, to contribute to, because you know there's so much weight on like you know news distribution on on content, etc. So at some point, you know, distributing not only ownership but also decision making would be really interesting. Um, at our level for Missouri, we still don't we really have even a product market fit. Um, we still are trying to to you know to find the best ways to um, to get customers. We are trying for the best ways to, to, to deliver as much value to the people as possible. Um, so right now, decentralizing the decision-making doesn't have much value. So maybe it's somewhere down the road. It makes sense. Um, I don't know the specifics of um, of like where Brain Trust is on this scale. They definitely have some, you know, really cool um, opinions on that. And, you know, I... Um, I hope it was go is going to work uh, the best for them. Um, so yeah, you know, it's going to be an interesting case study for also for like at, at what at what point should you have a token? Definitely, definitely. I'm just really interested into this entire yeah decentralization and go decentralized governance space because it's very interesting. This is something totally new which we haven't done yeah. before, and obviously people are making a bunch of mistakes and people are realizing what's the best way to do it. Uh, even when we were at ETH Denver, there was a really good talk that actually explained how how this should be done ideally. Like, what is the ideal uh, space? Like, how should the governance token distribute between the users, the builders, and the investors? Like, they all three of them have to be like equal stakeholders in this entire governance. It's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, you're totally right. Like, this is something that the this is something that we haven't figured out, and maybe by focusing on that, we might be slowing down a bit. So. For now, you can just focus on making a good product. And then when you have a proper solution for decentralization, maybe you can transition. Maybe, exactly. Space is moving so fast that you know a lot of interesting uh, things can happen on the way. Um, so yeah, maybe at some point, Missouri token. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is, this is where we first talked about the Missouri token. So good. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, like, are you, are you also focused on bringing Web2 companies on the platform or recruit on the platform? Yes. Uh, okay. long term, you know, so 
I believe that you know long term, uh, everybody will be collecting Web two credentials anyway, and it's just gonna replace you know you're getting a PDF certificate from Coursera after finishing a course or from whatever platform like you learn something, you get a PDF or an email saying congratulations. Like you will get co op ish like NFT like together with this to claim for your wallet. I I, I that's my strong thesis for building this um, uh, this platform. Um, so as this happens and people, you know, naturally get more of these NFTs, uh, you know, it's not going to be only like crypto native people or like crypto native companies. We will be able to like capture the best talent, you know, in general from the internet, not only crypto natives. Um, and once we have that also, it's going to be very valuable for, com for like companies who are not crypto native. So yeah, if we, in the world where we are successful and, um, uh, and we can actually enhance this experience, it's going to be valuable for, uh, for everybody, not only for crypto natives. Makes sense. This was a great conversation, man. I would love to know, is there anything that we should have talked about that we haven't talked about yet? Yes, yes, we should. Um, so when you just, uh, you know, listen to my dream, dream UX for like connecting people, I want to search for people on the internet uh, and I want to, you want to connect to them um, and, and just, you know, have open line of communication. Um, obviously, you know, XMTP fits into that, you know, we want to use XMTP as part of our, of our infrastructure. Um, what is the end goal for you for providing this like communication on the internet? Should I be able to message everybody or, you know, this would allow for like too much spam. Um, so it should be like, you know, behind some, some version of, of a social graph. Uh, how would you say long-term roadmap of XMTP fits into our vision? Definitely. Uh, I think there are a couple of things to tackle over here, right? Like number one is that <clears throat> number one is what you mentioned about the user experience that, Hey, uh, should, what should the user do about all the spam that comes on the network? So I think we can think about the similar situation. What happened with SMTP, XMTP is just the Web3 evolution of SMTP, simple yes. mail transfer protocol that runs our email server. Now SMTP on a protocol level doesn't do spam filtering who actually do spam filtering is or who actually takes on all that work is the node or is the email server, which let's say Google is running, which Microsoft is running for Microsoft Outlook and uh, Gmail. And now they are doing really advanced spam filtering on it. But what has ended up happening is that now, if you today spin up your own small email server there, you will have a lot of hard time having deliverability for your email because yeah. their spam filters are just so uh, harsh. Let's say they are just so restrictive. So what is going to happen over here is that number one, on a protocol level, XMTP is just going to enable you to message your wallet address, right? But also what we're going to see is we're going to see a bunch of broadcast messaging tools who are just spamming. So we hear the real work is on the client side. Let's say one of the, one of the best clients right now we have is Converse. Converse is offering a frictionless experience. And when you look at Converse, what is happening now is you can actually have two tabs and inbox filtering is something that we could actually work on. And how do we make sure that based on based on your on-chain activity with a person. So let's say me and you, we have interacted before because I attended an event and I collected your POAP. This means that we have established an on-chain connection, which means that if you cold message me, it should show in my primary inbox. But if today you just blast thousands of messages to every single person who, let's say, whose email at whose wallet address you have, then they shouldn't be showing up in their primary inbox. They should be showing in the other inbox. So I think this is some work that is being done around spam filtering and inbox filtering and just making sure that users have really good primary inbox experience. So that's number one. And number two, yeah, I would love to know more. Like you, you, you asked the question that how do you see XMTP fit in our roadmap, in Missouri's roadmap. So if you can elaborate more, maybe we can talk about it. 
it's mostly like, you know, how do you see the future of communication on the internet? So, you know, we make a decision for, for Mazure that we are using unified usernames, ETU, Madrasis, ENS, whatever. Um, and we are not using emails, right? Like we are not sending an email from, from one account to another. Um, we believe that, you know, in, in a few weeks, we will be able to implement XMTP into our app um, as the new way of communication on the internet. But that's only our vision, honestly, which I just like take something that they find really cool. So XMTP in this example, when I implemented. So like, how do you see the future of communication on the internet? Will XMTP will it be integrated in all of, you know, different websites or it's going to be like just different new signal? Definitely. The vision is that wherever you go, you take your conversations with you. So mm -hmm. when we say XMTP is the Web3 evolution of SMTP, that basically means that, again, the concept of ownership, find over here, what do you actually own? So with XMTP, you own your messages. So no matter where you go, you take your conversations with you. You own all your messages. And what that means is that there are so many apps popping up right now in Web3. So many people are experimenting. We don't know who's going to win, but you also want to test everything out. So does that mean that every single of this app would have to build their own messaging service? They have to work on their own messaging component. And now if I'm having these thousands of Web3 apps that I'm testing right now, now I have to again cold start the problem where I need to find my friends on all these thousand new apps. That's a struggle. And I don't think anyone wants to do that. So XMTV is a proper solution over there that, hey, you just take all your conversations everywhere because all the apps plug into XMTP. That's number one. Number two is that people just want to dox themselves. Right now, the biggest problem that's happening is that apps are asking for people's wallet address to connect, which is good because, yeah, that's how Web3 works. But then they also ask for their email address. And that doesn't make sense. If you ask for your wallet address and wallet address is your identity, then you should be able to communicate on that identity. Yeah. You shouldn't be asking for a Web2 identity again and dox all your users. Yeah, we, we do exactly that. We ask for an email so we can like, you know, reach out to people. But at some point, definitely, you, you know, it should be unified. <laughs> exactly. That was and like a business decision that I didn't want to do, but it's necessary to communicate with people so far because there, there exactly. is still, you know, there's still no, you know, one solution used by, by everybody in Web3. And definitely it wasn't the case a year ago. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking, I'm waiting for a time when we can also move our uh, business communication to XMTP. You're absolutely right that a year ago we didn't have, so you found the solution that worked and now we will slowly transition to it. So what's happening now is that all the apps that are integrated XMTP, let's say if you send a message, you just want to send a message to your Missouri user, right? Who just connected with their wallet address. If you send them a message and now whatever XMTP app they have, it could be Converse, it could be Orb, it could be Lenster, it could be a Pinsta, Lentil, whatever, they will get a notification. So there's a really high chance that your user will actually see your message yeah. because they just need one XMTP enabled app. And there's a high probability that they might actually be using more than one and they will definitely receive a push notification from there. Yeah. So that's the, that's the beauty over here. So number one we talked about is just doxing that we don't want to dox, just communicate on the web three identity. Number two is just the convenience that, Hey, why should I be uh, cold starting and finding my friends to every platform I go to? I should just own my conversations and my friends should just own their identities. That's number two. And then eventually what's going to happen is that we will have a standard that, yeah, like XMTV will become a standard. Right now, XMTV is, st is still new. And what's happening is that we are figuring out that, okay, what's the best user experience? Who are the best teams to work with? And as we all mature together, that's where it will become a standard. And it will be also very easy for new apps to just build, right? Because we are building a composable uh, industry or composable space over here that, hey, if you're really good at the social space, at social graph, focus on that. And for every other thing, for DMs, just bring XMTP in. So I think that's going to be a really good evolution where 
we will allow teams people to focus on what they are really good at and just add integrate uh, other layers which other people are good at and it should all just work together seamlessly nice beautiful that's what i asked for <laughs> this is a proper pitch <laughs> <laughs> yes yes thank you all right thank you so much for hopping on the pod man this was a good conversation learned a lot i loved it thank you so much